I'm going to do a little review from last week uh, that I think needs to be kept in front of us. And I started out there in 2 Peter, first chapter, and in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. And this is a review, but it shows that, it tells us that grace and peace can be multiplied through increased knowledge in the Word of God. The more you know the Word, the more powerful that the things operate in your life. And there's many things that go along with the grace and the peace. And of course, the grace of God is the power. And that says so in verse 3, as His divine power has given to all of us that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. So the divine power is referring to the grace of God. That, pro that wonderful grace that brought us into the kingdom, but it also has opened up everything else. And in verse 4, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And again, that word given is a granted, it's given, it's free. I always refer to an illustration, if you apply for a grant from the government or some other thing, when that's done, it's given to you, it's yours. So we've been granted all of these things. You might say all of these benefits and given access to it as partakers of everything. Now that's enough to take home right now, isn't it? Because when that sinks in, it just develops another depth of, of something that's inside you that really wants to come out, the power of God. Amen? Amen? It's a power that the world does not have. It says that we, we escape it, we're partakers of that divine nature. That's the nature of God himself, having escaped the corruption or the depravity that is in the world through lust. Isn't that amazing? It refers to lust, but lust can apply to money uh, and, and any other thing that's a detour in life. So we hit that, and then something that become obvious to me that the promises part also in, indicated keys, keys to th of things that he wanted us to have. And we venture through these keys, and of course, one that's quite familiar won't spend a lot of time on this one today, but it has to do with the revelation of Matthew 16. In uh, 1619, when Jesus asked, uh, who do men say that I am? And some said, I'm Elijah, some t say I'm this, or John the Baptist. Uh, that's in 14. But then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So that was a revelation. And then he says down here in 18, he said, because you have this revealed to you, that's what it says in, in, in a paraphrase, <laughs> then upon this rock I will build my church. And by doing so, and it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, with these keys <coughs> that I'm going to offer you, Satan will have to back off. That's... That's Gary Coe's cowboy colloquial, right? Satan will have to back off. Okay, but in 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. <laughs> now, we look at these keys, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. These are the keys. 
but it's a, a lot more than the binding and loosing. It's the, it's the whole authority that he just gave us through these keys. Amen? Power that he gave through that. It's a power of access, a power of authority. And certainly when God gives you a key, it's yours to use. However, just a little nugget there. When it says keys of the kingdom, that, that word of, review of several things, but that word, word of has a special meaning. Lord showed me that a long time ago, and it took me five years to hear figure out what the word of meant, or rather than to, because a lot of times people misquote that. They'll say keys to the kingdom. It's of the kingdom. You know what the difference is? And this is just free today, a free little nugget, and we'll move on. If I gave you the key to this house, you just walk up and open the door. But if I give you the keys of this house, my hand will be on that key as well. In other words, the keys of the kingdom means Jesus' hand will be on that key to unlock, unlock every door. Continuing in review, in Luke, because this first key is about authority, and I, I'll stay right on authority for a little bit, I want you to get this, this review today. In chapter 9 of Luke, then he calls his 12 disciples together and gave them, if you're looking at Luke, gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And I, Luke 9, 1. He called his 12 disciples together and gave them what? Power, power and authority over what? Demons. demons and to cure diseases. What else is there that will hold you back? <laughs> okay. The interesting thing about this is, and I brought this out last week, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of theologians say, well, everything passed away with the 12. They got it all, and they're gone. What are we going to do? I don't want to bury this in the ground, but anyway, they said the 12 had it all. But then we go to chapter 10, and before we get to chapter 10, since I'm still reviewing, I'd like to stop on the way to a problem that he had over in verse, still in 9, and we find a passage starting in 37 where there was a demoniac son. They brought the child to him. And skipping to verse 40, so I implored your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. So here's the 12. And they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverse generations. Today he'd say, you idiots. You've been following me everywhere. You've watched me do these things, and you haven't got it figured out yet. Right? He's disgusted with them. Trust me. So he said, okay, I'll just have to do it then. So what did he do? Number one, he rebuked the unclean spirit. Did he not? What's the number two he did? Heal the child. That's a clue for us when we step into any situation. Also says it over another way. I won't go there, but it says if you're going to walk in somewhere, you first bind the strong man. You've got a situation there. You don't plead and beg God. See, they still didn't figure that out. They didn't understand their authority. So he said, okay, we'll just get this little guy set free, and then we're going to move on from here. But in chapter 10, what did he do? But he said, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Why did he have to appoint another 70? Because the first 12 didn't get it. Amen. So I know it's a repeat of last week. It's a repeat, but guess what? 
God wants you to get this. <laughs> if you get a hold of, uh, of this, you'll, you'll be on track. And so, of course, Eden went out. We, we could spend our time in this, but uh, he sent them out two by two, and there was reasons for that. But, but I want to move on from there. I just want to make it clear. But now, instead of the 12, we have how many? 70. We have 82. <laughs> right? So now we have 82. And guess what? This other 70... They had some results. They came back and said, hey, this works. And that's an encouragement for you to go out and see if it works. <laughs> you don't have to test it. It works. So when they came back, somewhere along in the line there, they say, and I'm moving quickly because I want to get into some other things, because he told them to go heal the sick and so on. In verse 19, he says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over how much power? Anybody see that? How much power? All power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So what power did he hold back to the 82 so far? None. Are we part of that 82? You know, somehow I've got to study this out, because that 70 has a prophetic meaning, and I'm going to find out what it is. I'm prompted that way, but, but I don't have it yet today, but I believe that 70 has got a meaning. Maybe some of you will get stirred up here and, and tell me. Now, okay, so we have, the, we have the 12. We have the 70. Now we have 82. So that, that wipes out what everybody, you know, the other people want to teach that only the 12 had all this, doesn't it? Kind of cleans the slate. And then we go to Mark 16, which is a great commission. And in verse 15, he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes. Now it's everybody that believes. Now that got past 82, didn't it? Do you think there's more than 82 around believing today? So he said, Go, who he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. I want everybody to say, These signs will follow me. In, in my name, Jesus said, they will cast out demons, they will speak with due tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly, any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. And look at that last one. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You know, it's kind of interesting. Ben Carson just bowed out of the race for president, and he, uh, he was quoted in that as saying about America that he said a lot of people say God's in control. But he said he is, but it's through us. Amen. And I thought, Ben Carson, you're way down the road. You know who you are. Because so many people, you know, they just wipe everything in a little bucket over here. Well, God's in control. Well, as you go, uh, you know, I've pointed out this little side trip, but in, in Acts 1, we found out what God's absolutely in control with it's times and seasons. I won't go there now, but it's in the first chapter. He's in control of times and seasons. Absolutely. Well, I wasn't going there, but we could look at it. So you know I'm not kidding. So, you know, Dwayne's a theologian here. No? Okay, it's in verse 7 of chapter 1 of Acts. It took a few years for me to see that. It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. That's why, yes, he is in control of times and seasons. When he's ready to make a move, it's going to happen. When he's ready for whatever. When he was ready to bring Jesus for us to be set free, guess what? It was time. 
He has authority over that, but he has put so much in us. Now, let, let's continue on here uh, and get, that's about all I wanted to do for the moment as far as review. Go to John 5.26, because this is another interesting thing. You know, I guess I don't want to ever preach a defensive gospel, but sometimes there's so much said that really isn't true that once in a while you find a little scripture that brings out some real stuff. And in John 5, go to verse 26. And this is just another little thing here, and it's big, though. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. In verse 27, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. That's a big deal. People want to say, well, yeah, he healed the sick because he's son of God, you know, and they they go all through this because they get all tangled up. They cannot figure out uh, most of the gospel, really. They can't figure out authority that that is given to us. But there's a scripture that tells you he did these things because he's son of man. And uh, you can look see that again uh, just as a backup in Matthew 9, I believe it is. Chapter 9, verse 6, verse 5. For which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise and walk. Verse 6 says, but that you may know that the son of who? Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so, praise the Lord. Well, go to Genesis. I, I, I saw something so cool that I, I by, by faith believe you'll like. Go to Genesis 1. We won't be there real long, but I want to show you something that just jumped out at me. Praise the Lord. You all know this. I could have just said it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's one. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And let there be light, and there was light. I want you to take your life right now. You were born just a normal, everyday, lost soul. You're living in darkness. The world is dark out there. You're, you're, you're born into it. You're born into all the customs that are of the world and so on. You're in utter darkness. Now, some of you can't remember that, but I can. You're darkness. You're subject only to what man has to offer you, man's wisdom. But guess what? There came a time when you found out that Jesus died for you, and then you found out that as many as called upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Well, what happened in that very moment? Light came into your life. It had to be spoken. You had to speak it. You don't get saved with silent prayer. You spoke it out. You said, Jesus, come on. Come into my heart, however you want to say it. Come in, I, I, I receive you as a risen Savior. You've set me free. That's light. You spoke life into your life, just like God. You know, we're, we've heard this teaching about how God spoke everything into existence, but guess what? We have to do the same. Amen. And we kind of moving into confessions, you know, slowly over the last two or three weeks. We're talking about the fruit of our mouths, you know, uh, by our, our mouth, you know, we're, by what we say, we're justified or we're condemned. If we begin to learn more and more, our mouths are a big deal. 
And when we're speaking the word of God, guess what? There's an anointing and a power that flows through that. But when you speak just man's wisdom, you're just submitting basically back into the dark part. Now, you can't be retrieved because that light's in you. Isn't that cool? Now, you can go, got to, it's in John, and you can turn there. I, we may be done with Genesis, I, I suppose. Not forever, but maybe. Just, just, to, just to bring in a, a witness. Yeah, I know where it's at. John, first chapter of John. In John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And in, in him was life, and the life was the what? Light. Yes. The light. In him was the light. The same power that brought light into the earth rescued you from darkness. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Boy, could you preach on that one. Amen? We have a power that's so exceedingly above and beyond, and it's got to do with these exceedingly great and precious promises. And of course the world can't grasp it, but see, when that light comes into your life, now you're sitting there kind of like the earth in Genesis 1. You're sitting there, you still just have the light. But now God didn't quit with the light, did he? He began to call things into existence. Yeah, neighbor, it, uh, you know, it talks about Abraham copying God, calling those things that be not as though they were. So God began to call those things. And he called the light day. Uh, I did go back to Genesis. <laughs> In verse 4, he said he saw the light, and it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. Is that true today? The light and the darkness are seriously divided and every day we have to make choices which one we want to walk in don't we mm -hmm. well it's in a way i mean i it, it's it's almost it, it is a daily uh, thing to recognize that we have the light that we can walk in or we can get lazy and funky and fall into whatever but god called the light day and the darkness he called night so the evening and the morning were the first day. And then he spoke some other things uh, into existence. And I even thought about it, and I want to move on a little bit here, but I even thought about the difference between the sun and the moon. From what we're gathering, the new heavens and the new earth will all be illuminated. There won't be a dark side to it. How do we relate that to today? There's light or dark, and we choose. We choose. So... When God set this up, he put the sun, the illuminator, and the moon was like a reflection. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's putting, sometimes it reflects enough light, sometimes it doesn't. And I thought about how that is today. I thought about how the moon is almost, uh, uh, I had a word, it was so good. <laughs> It was like, I don't want to, an imposter, almost like an imposter. Mm -hmm. And I realized the sun is, is kind of like God's wisdom, God's word. And the moon is almost like man's wisdom. They try to be like the sun, 
the moon tries to be like the sun. I know this is, maybe sounds crazy, but it, it kind of helps me think about the light and the dark and how it's divided and how we want that. We want that new heaven and earth that's all illuminated because, <laughs> see, a lot of things will be different then. There'll be no demons, no satanic influence whatsoever. That'll all be uh, in, a, in a different realm. And so what does that mean to us today? That means we, we have choices, don't we? Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> and it's got to do with, uh, with uh, you know, several things here. Uh, Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Now everybody in the sound of my voice uh, may be saved. But at the same time, it says how we get there. In, verse, in Romans 10.13, let's go there because we hit that much, but it's such a good scripture. Romans 10, 9 and 10, uh, review is always good. Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10 has to do with that. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised, from the, raised him from the dead, you shall be what? Saved. saved. Well, again, uh, going back and reiterating and review, what's the word saved? Word sozo means every benefit possible. Precious, exceedingly great and precious promises are involved in that word sozo. It means delivered, healed, saved. I mean, it's used interchangeably throughout this New Testament. So, again, review, but at the same time, for with the heart one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. Verse 11 is the payoff. Whoever believes on him shall not be put to shame. Yeah, verse 13 is one of my eyes. Yeah, calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, I was trying to find out my eyeballs. We'll move, move from there. But anyway, I want to anchor that we have a lot of different benefits here. Now, Hebrews 1, I know we're throwing out a little scripture today, but that's okay. I want to anchor this some things. Hebrews, the first chapter Flowing along with the rest of what we've just discussed, verse 1, God who at various times and in different ways spoke in times past to fathers of the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. And verse 3, and being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand. Now, the word of his power. So, when we're going back there to Genesis, and God began to speak, he spoke words. Now, it wasn't, didn't, didn't mean the power of the words, it meant the word for that power. Amen? The word of his power. So that tells us that there is a word for whatever power you want operating in your life. How do we find that word? Well, you dig, brothers and sisters. <laughs> it's all in here. But you see, it's the word of that power that brings freedom. And it's that word of that power and the renewing of our minds that take us back just from that simple saved, you know, in essence, just the simple light. But that light has made a place in your spirit, man, in your soul to begin to renew it, begin to grab a hold of some things. And guess what? You begin to grow. 
You begin to develop in some things that you didn't even know existed. You begin to get revelation knowledge. You say, wow, I never saw that before. And even if you've heard it preached a couple hundred times, you still didn't get it. And more and more I'm realizing in ministering to people, I need to use repetition to drive it in because some of these things are so important to our future and our present. Aren't they? They're life or they are death, which are in the power of the tongue. So we want to concentrate on speaking life, do we not? And it's kind of like in normal prayer, you know, that a lot of people go out and pray, and what do they do? They pray the problem. Oh, Lord, you know how bad off I am right now. You know my car's broke down, and I think everybody hates me down there at the office, and gosh, they bring by this stuff, and I don't know, God, no, that isn't going to work too far. You feel worse after you got done, right? And that's probably the worst part about it. When you're praying the problem, you're ministering to your Self the wrong way. You're building a belief system that's reverse. Amen? That's why what we say is so vital. Whatever we say out of our mouth enough, we're going to start believing it no matter what it is. You know, I could go into some other illustrations, but, but one thing I like to see in people is, began, is when, you know, there's something called self-image, but I'd rather say God's image, you know. There's something about people. They've got something so deep down in here. they got the life of God, but, but they've kind of blocked out that little area. And you hear it all the time with people. If you get sensitive and you get it out of your own mouth, too, that's the one mouth you really want to be sensitive to. What am I saying that I'll live with tomorrow? Or what did I start saying 30 years ago, and now I'm walking in it, and how do I get rid of it? Well, we can do that. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. Well, I'll move along here. I just I threw down a few things here, uh, and this is why I wanted you to write it down. Let's say uh, I wrote down a question, what word do you need? What word do you need? It's a good question to think about. What do I need? Maybe you don't need anything, but I'll bet everybody in the sound of my voice needs something. Now, if you need strength, what would be a good word to go with, uh, a good scripture to go with strength? I mean, I'd go around the table, you'd try to figure those out. But, you know, obviously Philippians 4.13 is a great one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's a good thing when you're writing these down, something to start looking at every day. We all need strength, right? We're in warfare in this earth, whether you know it or not. And we need strength for the battle. It's always good to look at the name Christ and realize it means the anointed one. It helps me to see that because I know when I issue that word, I know there's an anointing behind it. What's the anointing? That's beyond the natural. Like one preacher used to preach, he says, always look past, it takes, look past your ability when you're calling on, the, on these scriptures. Uh, look past your own because it takes you past your ability. How many of us want to be past our ability? Mm -hmm. I sure do. Mm -hmm. Amen. So then you've got that. Uh, another one for strength would be Colossians 1. Uh, why not go there? Colossians 1, just grabbing a scripture out of the middle. It's always hard with the Colossians, that first chapter. You want to drink it all in. <laughs> but it says that you may have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And verse 11 
strengthened with all might. How many would like to be strengthened with all might? That is the supernatural. You know, you can take the biggest guy in town or in the county, and he's down there in the weight room, but he can still only lift so much. But strengthened with this supernatural might, there's no limitation. Whatever you're doing. You could come up with other scriptures, but I want you to write them down because I want you to take them with you. When, when things happen and you say, gee, what was that scripture? That would have really helped me. You know what I mean? Because uh, it's not like I, I've said before, people have handed me a list of confessions, and the next thing I know, there's three pages of you know, single space, and I finally end up throwing away or doing something because I can never get there. Because it's the word that you need now. Well, another one, and we could come up with a lot of them, but how about wisdom? Hey, we all need wisdom. We go through these things, go to James. Very familiar, but you need to know it's there. If you need wisdom, James here says, if any of them lacks wisdom, verse 5, uh, chapter 1, if any lacks wisdom, what do you do? You ask God, who may or may not give it to you. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say it, does it? It will give, who will give it to you liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. You know what that really means? There's no charge for it. It's free. The Bible really, there's other scriptures that say we are the wisdom of God. We are. We've, we've been made into wisdom by the blood. It's, it's in there wanting to come out. Verse 6, though, says something. It says, let him ask in what? Faith. Faith. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. It costs about a double-minded man. Well, the reality of this is here. You're out there, you need an answer. I mean, what's the difference with just throwing out this question and standing in faith for the answer? What's the difference? Well, it's obvious. You throw out your request and walk off. You don't expect anything. Oh, yeah, Gary, I know that scripture's there. Yeah, I, you know, I know it's there. I, I've got all the James memorized. Well, great. What happens when you ask for wisdom then? I tell you, when I ask for wisdom or Sandy and I join hands and we need to know something and we do this, guess what? I expect wisdom that second. I mean, it's just like I want that next thought that comes up from down in here to be the answer. Don't we do that, Sandy? We were playing a game one time. Uh, we were living in Denver. We didn't mean to, but we, we like football. That's no secret. Um, I think Jesus likes football, don't you? We started, there'd, there'd be a game start, and we'd play this little game without him realizing it. Say, who's going to win today? First name would come up, and 100% of the times that was who's going to win that day. And he did that that whole season. And, and it's not like that continued because we tried today and not necessarily worked. But see, at the same time, he was showing us how quick that answer's there. It's already in here. We know that when we go born again, what do we have? Total access to the Holy Spirit, don't we? Don't we? Human spirit, get born again. Holy Spirit, just like that. 
And the Holy Spirit knows all things that the Father gave him. He parts it to us. We just have to find it. Pray in the Spirit, whatever. Ask, but you ask in faith. See the difference? There's a difference. Expecting an answer is different than just throwing out a prayer. Or or a confession that, you know, somebody said, hey, you do this and you'll get that. Well, let's try that. Well, I tried it. It didn't work. No, you don't. When you put a petition out to him, you expect an answer, don't you? Mm-hmm. Now. I want it now. And if it doesn't come now, I just keep standing in there. Maybe I'll be out there doing something outside or somewhere, and all of a sudden, boom, it's there. It just took a while for to filter it up through all my... <laughs> Amen? So enough said about that. That's wisdom in James. I'm sure there's other places you'll find that. I think there's some in Ephesians. And an obvious one that many people is needing is healing. Probably most people could go ahead and, and tell me where you find that, but we'll hit a couple of them just to make sure. Because when, when you need the healing... It's not just enough to go to say, oh, God, heal me, because we saw over there in in Luke that he expected his people to do that, to get rid of the demons and to heal the sick, did he not? So with our own selves, we have to expect that too, because that power works through us when we call upon these things. And, of course, obviously, first one you should think of is Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Why? Because it says, Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. As one of my teachers way back when said, he said, they, really, he said, these aren't promises, they're fact. And then, of course, you can find that also in First Peter just write it down, 1 Peter 2.24. It's just a reiter, a New Testament uh, verification, witness of that same thing. Verse 23 says, Who when he, re- when he was reviled did not revile in turn. When he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to be to him who judges righteously, who himself, in verse 24, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live to righteousness, and by whose stripes ye were healed. Another little nugget. From time to time, we buy Bibles for people. Some of these Bibles have commentaries. Before I buy any Bible for any person, this is one of my test places. Because generally, the fundamentalist doctrine will say, well, that was spiritual healing. It had nothing to do with physical healing. If it says that in the commentary, back on the shelf. I won't feed that to anybody that I want to have a fresh, nice copy of the Word of God. See, it's a limiter. So, yeah, do we have to be awake in this whole thing? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay, I want us to go to a big one for me. I'm telling you, I, uh, this is one of my favorites because of the power of it, I mean, it's, it's just going to ring a bell for me any time that maybe I'm in an attack or threatened. Psalm 103, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, just starting in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. I love the amplified version of that 
because it says, forget not one of any of all of his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who, I'm back up here, who you forgives all your iniquities, and does what? How much of your diseases? How much? Everybody say, all of my diseases. All of my diseases. So bless the Lord on my soul and all that with is in me. In other words, you know, I got a picture this one time. Of, I believe that's a, da a David psalm. And I, he was, I got a picture of this. He's talking to his soul. See, we're a spirit, aren't we? And we have a soul, live in a physical body. We can speak to our soul. And he's saying, soul, I want you to bless the Lord. Like you're standing there and, you, and you're maybe praise and worship, you don't feel like it, you say, soul, get in this deal, hmm. right? Bless. bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not any of his benefits, who, healeth, who, who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases. You know, in Acts 10, 38, and just write it down, and we'll probably close, because there's many, many more here. They're talking about Jesus, and they say he went about, led by the Spirit of God, and healed all that were oppressed of the devil. Amen? Took care of all my iniquities. <laughs> 10, 38, how God appointed Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy Spirit, and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen. Part of our great commission. Talks about two things here, doesn't it? What's oppression? That's demon power. Say amen. amen. Oppression is demon power. So it, it spoke to two things here, did it not? He took care of that oppression, the demonic force, and then he healed the sick, which is to say that most sicknesses had an oppression. I'd like to say it's all an oppression. Amen? Does that give us a little different idea about sickness and disease? And what we do about it? Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, there's many more things, but, you know, at the same time, that's about as far as I want to go today because there's other things, and we probably pick up here next time, but there's other areas that we want to gird people up. There's fear. There's safety. There's plagues. A lot of that's covered in the 91st Psalm. Mm -hmm. But see, if we're prepared and forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9, you know. I know there's a grace message out there, and I've heard these, some of these people say, well, you don't have to be forgiven. Well, maybe I don't, but it sure makes me feel good if I know I messed up to have somebody I can talk to about it, you know, because he says just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, maybe I'm clean already. But at the same time, it makes a, gives me a release of right standing. I know I'm righteous by the blood and all that. Anyway, there's many other things here. But, but uh, that's probably as far as I want to go today. So, you know, it's, it's all about the precious, the exceeding great and precious promises talked about in Peter. And the fact that grace and peace are multiplied through our knowledge. How many learned something today? Amen. Something we can take out in the street or take into our homes that not only can increase, increase the things that God's wanting to get over to us, but also to increase our ability out there with the Great Commission and embolden us. We need to be emboldened today. We need to realize that very few people percentage in our nation or the world have a clue of what we talked about today. 
and even in Christian America. Boy, you, you bring out some of this thing in Christian America, and they may escort you out the front or the back door, whichever is handiest. Uh, you know, seriously. But once you get an appetite for this, guess what? It, it's kind of like once you take a piece of chocolate you love, you can't lay it down, you know? That, to me, that's the Word of God. You find out, wow, this is real. This isn't a religious exercise. It's real. When I take this in and my mind gets renewed, I'm ready to walk in those things God's called me to walk in. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I better quit before I go past 